Thanks for listening to our sermons from Southbridge Fellowship. For additional resources or service information, visit us online at sfchurch.com. Today we are continuing in our Beyond series, and uh, we're continuing in the book of Ephesians. Now, if you're following along, you're going to be like a little confused because what we're doing is we're doing some Star Wars like timeline stuff today, okay? Any Star Wars fans out there? Okay, everybody can just leave right now. Like, <laughs> no, uh, the reason why I say that is because we're actually jumping all the way to the end of chapter six, and then next week we're actually going to be going back to the beginning of chapter six. So it's kind of like the, the, the prequel and sequel. And, and the reason why we're doing that is because um, when we was doing the, uh, the kind of like service timeline, I was actually meant to be preaching um, on the, the beginning of chapter six. However, if you guys know the beginning of chapter six, it's all about parenting. And well, I don't have kids, and so I know people don't often like when people that don't have kids tell other people that have kids how to parent. And so we thought, this is probably not the best way. But give me some credit though, right? I've never failed once as a parent. Like, no failure in my book. Um, also, if you remember the last time I preached, um, I think I called babies. I think the language I used was like little monsters or tyrants. And I think that's about the time that I got an email from Pastor Scott saying, let's switch passages, okay? Uh, but seriously, we're, we're, we're kicking off uh, the end of chapter six today. And my sermon title for today is, I've Got Your Six. Okay. Turn to the person behind you, and now everybody's going to turn to the person behind you. So, so find someone next to you, okay, and say, I've got your six. Go ahead, say it. If you're online, maybe tag someone in the comments. Say, I've got your six. So for those that don't know, I've got your six. Six refers to your back, right? It's a military term. I've got your six. I've got your back. Um, now, so all I want you to do... I've got you six, turn to Ephesians chapter six, starting in verse 10. And can you do me a favor? Can we stand together as we read this scripture today? If you're watching at home, maybe go ahead and stand at home as well. Um, we don't always stand when we read scripture, uh, but I, I kind of want to do this as a symbolic uh, reference to what we're reading today, and, you, and you'll see why in just a second. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your, what? Stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Amen. Amen. Right, you can make your way down to your seat. But before you do that, turn and high five somebody and say, it's good to see you today. Okay, break it up. Break it up. So most of you know that I'm not from around here. 
okay? I was actually born and raised in England. Now, one thing you probably know about us Brits is we have a passion and a love for tea. There's hardly more of a British custom than a good cup of tea. Come on now, my people, come on. 80% of Britons, it says they drink tea and we consume about 60.2 billion cups every year. This liquid wisdom, as I call it, or this magical elixir, helps us Brits get through the day. It seems to make all problems disappear, at least temporarily. And I love this. It said that during, uh, during the, the Dark Ages, during World War II, it says that tea was our secret weapon. So that's something you might know about British people. Okay, British people, they love tea. Okay, got it. But here's another passion uh, that you might not know about us Brits is we have such a passion for talking about the weather. It's, it's, it's true. You'll always find a Brit talking about the weather. Um, if ever you find a British person talking to another British person that's gone on vacation somewhere other than England, you'll find them, I guarantee you, asking somewhere along the conversation, about the weather, like, oh, what's the weather like over there? Oh, is it, is it hot over there? Has is it, is, is it been raining yet? Like, I guarantee it. I can't tell you the amount of times when I call my parents back in England and we get talking about the weather. Pretty much every single phone call will, will convert Celsius to Fahrenheit and figure out the temperature, which is one of the most complicated math equations. Like, I, how can minus 40 and minus 40 be? I don't, I don't get it. But I don't know why we talk about the weather so much. Maybe because it's, it's similar to here and the fact that, you know, it changes so much. You can experience all four seasons in one day. But also I think it's because in England it rains like a lot, okay? And, and you know, in, in the Bible when, when it rains for 40 days, they call it a disaster. In England we call it summer, okay? <laughs> they don't get much better, guys, so go with it. Uh, no, I'll be fair. There was one time in, in, in England where it only rained twice during summer. Once for 35 days and another for 48. <laughs> Told you it didn't get better. Uh, I joke, uh, but, but seriously, you, in England, you have to be prepared for rain. I remember this one time um, I took my wife to London and we was exploring like the streets of London and it was a beautiful sunny day. It was like a perfect day for a picnic. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it started raining. It just started throwing it down, as we say. And, and, and no joke, within a matter of two seconds of the first raindrop falling from the sky, in, in, in union, in, in synchronization, all the streets, all the people in the streets of London pulled out an umbrella. Like everyone, hundreds of people pulled out an umbrella. And my wife, that was not accustomed to our British culture, was so shocked. She thought like a flash mob was about to happen, like how all these people pulled out their umbrella. And I just remember her asking like, so wait, like, does everybody in England just carry around an umbrella? You see, in England, even if it's sunny, you have to be prepared for rain. Because sooner or later, more often sooner than not later, you can count on it raining. You can be certain of that. And according to Paul, one of the other certainties in life is sooner or later, you're going to experience the attack of the enemy. So you better be prepared. You see, Christian life is not a stroll in the park. It's not a picnic. It's a raging war between light and darkness. So you better be prepared. I heard a quote that said, there's no such thing as bad weather, just wrong clothing. 
So just like when it's raining, we pull out our umbrella, we pull out our raincoat. When you're getting ready for war, you better put your armor on. Amen? And whether you realize it or not, you are in a war. The enemy we're facing is not often the one in front of you. Your enemy is not your boss. Your enemy is not your brother, your sister. Your enemy is not your mom, your dad. Your enemy isn't blue or red or race or creed or denomination. Your enemy isn't the one that sat in the office or sat in the driver's seat that cut you up in traffic. It's not often the enemy, the one that's in front of you. So who is our enemy? You see, you can't defeat your enemy until you know who your enemy is. So today I just want to spend a little time to getting to know your enemy. Paul strongly states the power of the opposition that we face. He says we're fighting against rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces. To use Peter's language, he says the enemy we face prowls around, roaring like a lion, seeking to devour someone. It's, it's important today that if you're hearing my voice, if you're in this room, if you're watching online, you need to know you have an enemy. And it's, it's not an enemy that is red and has horns and a tail and carries a pitchfork. No, it's an enemy that is out to destroy you. The Bible said he's coming to rob, steal, and destroy you. This enemy is real, and you need to know he's real because if you don't, he has you exactly where he wants you. We all have an enemy. We all have a battle. And if you're in God's kingdom today, I want you to know that you are a soldier in his kingdom and you're at war, a war that you face on a daily basis. You see, it's not a choice. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you enlisted into God's army. The choice is not whether you'll be a civilian or a soldier in God's kingdom. The choice is whether you'll be a prepared soldier or an unprepared one. That's why Paul doesn't say, hey, bring your armor along just in case we get into a battle. No, Paul says, put your armor on. We're already at war. Now, the good news today that we can take, take assurance in is that when you enlisted into God's army, you can have sure knowledge that you enlisted onto the winning side. Amen? Amen. Now, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the enemy. I just, I don't want to give him airtime if I'm honest. Uh, but it's important to know who the real enemy is. You see, Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And I think he says that because I think we often find ourselves there. I think, I think we often find ourselves fighting against flesh and blood, and we try to wage war in that area, and we find ourselves fighting the wrong enemy. So a little about the enemy, the devil, Satan, whatever we want to call him. He's smart. He's calculated. He's scheming. He's manipulative. He causes confusion and chaos, and he's known as the father of lies. The devil also has an army. We know that because when Jesus asked the demon, what is your name? The demon replied, we are legion because we are many. 
If you don't know what a legion is, it's, it's a military unit. In the, Roman, in the Roman army, it was one of the largest military units of all. And that's what the devil says he is. He's a legion. He has an army. And get this, this army is unified. We know that because when Jesus was accused of being the devil because he was casting out demons, Jesus said, oh, no, 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 you got it wrong. He said, because every kingdom divided against itself lays waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Satan has an army. Satan has a kingdom, and it's unified. You see, this enemy is real. They're unified against you, and they're coming after you. Get this, you'll never find a demon fighting with another demon. Did you hear that? If you look from Genesis to Revelation, you'll never find a demon fighting with another demon. It's only when we look at the church. I hope you got your, your steel cap boots on today because I'm coming down the aisles and I'm stepping on some toes, Okay. You never find a demon fighting another demon, but all I have to do is pull out Facebook and I can see Christians tearing down Christians, brothers tearing down sisters, preachers tearing down preachers, church against church. And I just want to encourage you, guys, we can do better. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our battle is in the heavenlies. Don't let the devil cause disunity among you. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not against one another. Remember in Ephesians 4, we just went over it a couple weeks ago. Paul says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, get this, bearing with one another in love, eager, eager to maintain the unity. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Are you eager to maintain unity today? Are you willing to break unity over things that aren't going to matter in the time to come? You see, united we stand, divided we fall. We're all on the same team. Let's protect that unity and let's suit up for war together. Amen? Turn to somebody next to you and tell them to suit up. <laughs> Don't you guys love me? <laughs> okay, know your enemy. Now know your equipment. We're in a war and we're called to be strong in the Lord, not ourselves. I think Jason talked about that today. Be strong in the Lord. You know, we can't face this enemy alone, but God's provision for us is sufficient for the battle. He gives us everything we need for victory. What's it say? It says he gives us the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel, a shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. God has given you equipment. You need to learn how to use it. God gave us everything we need for victory. We just have to make the decision every day to wake up and suit up. Now, I don't have time to, to talk about every single piece of, of God's armor today in detail, but I, I, I encourage you guys, take some time, study it, look at it, because, because these words right here, the truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, are more than words. 
We need to learn to apply them to our lives. And really, as, as, as Paul talks about this, this armor, it's almost a, a recap of what we've just been looking at all throughout Ephesians, right? It says the belt of truth, which is who we are in Christ and the truth of what he has done. The breastplate of righteousness is walk worthy of your calling. The gospel of peace, we have a mission. The shield of faith, for it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. The helmet of salvation is it's a gift from God. It's not by your own doing. It's a recap of everything Paul has been talking about. But what I find interesting is as we look at the armor of God, almost every part of it is defense, right? We look at it like the, the, bla- the belt, the breastplate, the boots, the shield, the helmet, all defense. I mean, unless you could like throw that shield like Captain America and use it as some defense. I don't know, but that's, that's not what Paul's talking about. All defense other than one, which is what? The sword, which is the word of God. This is the weapon we have been given to fight back against the enemy. And I want you to know this today, is that one of Satan's, one of the enemy's oldest tactics is to get you to question, get you to doubt the word of God. The reason why I say it's his oldest tactic is because we can go all the way back to creation. We can look at Genesis 3, and what does it say? It says, now the serpent, which is the enemy, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say He's getting her to doubt the word of God. He's getting her to question the word of God. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? He's getting her to question, getting her to doubt. He did the same to her that he's going to do to you. And what does Eve said? Eve responds and said, you must not eat from uh, from the fruit, from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Now catch this. Here we see Eve misquoting the word of God. Did you catch that? Because let's jump back. What did God actually say? He said, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden. First, we only focus on what we can't do, not what he actually told us we can do, but that's a different message. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he said, you shall not eat of it. For the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. You see, Eve added something. God said, don't eat it. Eve said, no, God said, don't eat it and don't touch it. From here, God never said, don't touch it. And I think this is important because we find ourselves doing this. We misquote scripture. We use scripture in its wrong context. We start adding rules and regulations to it that was never meant to be there. God's word is enough just the way it is. We don't need to add to it. Don't make this into a religion, regulations. Don't make this into legalism. God's word is sufficient. Now, what I question is, why why did Eve add to it? Why did she feel the need to add this extra thing? And, And this is just my speculation. Maybe, maybe it's because she never heard the word of God for herself. Maybe. Because if, if, if you look back with me in Genesis, you see, the way that it happened is the command was given before Eve was even created. If, if you look at it, God creates Adam, he then gives the command, and then he creates Eve. 
So I, I, I have this speculation. Again, I, I don't know how true it is, but maybe the serpent came after Eve because she didn't know the word of God for herself. Maybe she only heard it through Adam. And you see, for us to combat the attacks of the enemy, we must know the word of God for ourselves. It's not good enough to hear it on a Sunday. It's not good enough to hear it in a sermon. Don't take everything I'm saying. Go home, read it, pull out your Bible, study it for yourself. Because if not, we run this danger of it becoming like a giant game of telephone. I heard the word of God from, from my church, from my pastor, from my parents, from my grandparents, from my friends. But do you know it yourself? Learn to handle your weapon. The way that I see it, it's kind of like we all watch action movies, right? We've all heard James Bond, Jack Bauer, Jason Bourne, all J's, Jesus, I don't know. Um, but we all have our favorite action movies, and we've probably seen people in these movies fire guns a thousand times, right? They'll pull out the guns, make all these incredible shots. You might have seen somebody fire a weapon thousands of times, but that doesn't mean you know how to use one. It doesn't mean you've learned to hold it and to handle it. And the same goes with the Word of God. You may have heard a thousand sermons, but unless you're pulling out the Word of God, knowing God, getting to know it, you don't necessarily know how to handle it. So know your weapon. Learn to use it as if your life depends on it. So that when the enemy comes after you and says, did God really say? You can stand firm knowing the truth. If God can't get you to doubt, he'll try to deceive you in the word of God. If the enemy can't get you to doubt, he'll try to deceive you. And, and I've talked about this before, but it's the same tactic that the enemy used against Jesus in the desert. Okay, get this. The enemy of God tries to tempt the son of God. And what's crazy here is, do you know what he tries to tempt him with? He tries to tempt him with the word of God. The second time the devil comes after Jesus, he actually quotes Psalms 91 to Jesus. How crazy is that? You don't believe me? Pull out your Bible. Learn your weapon for yourself. Psalms 91. He quotes it. And this is important because what does Jesus do to combat it? He fights back with the word of God. Now, Jesus didn't just memorize scripture. It's not like he's just memorized it. He actually knows the word of God. He's learned the word of God. He knows it in its right context, correctly understood, and he knows the heart of his father. You see, Satan knows the word of God. Now, the question we need to ask ourselves is, does Satan know the word of God better than I do? Because if he does, we're in trouble. Because he's going to come at you, he's going to attack you, and he's going to try and get you to question everything God has said and done. He'll try to get you to question who you are in him and what he's called you to be, and he'll even try to twist scripture to do so. So if you don't know the word of God and the heart of your father, you're in trouble. We must know our weapon like our life depends on it. Don't walk into a battle unarmed and unprepared. We need to be prepared. We need to learn to handle our weapon effectively. 
Because here's the thing is, not only is it going to affect your life, but how we handle, how we fight in this war is going to affect those around you. We're not alone in our fight. Paul says, we wrestle. We, this little word, this little two-letter word tucked in this passage, it's easy to skip, but it's a key to our victory. We wrestle. Means that no matter what opposition comes our way, we don't have to face it alone. First and foremost, Christ walks with us. He strengthens us. But also in addition to that is we have fellow believers Brothers and sisters marching alongside us. We are an army. We have a platoon. So finally, I want you to know your platoon. You see, the enemy wants you to believe you're alone in your struggles. He wants you to believe you're alone in your sufferings, in your shortcomings. He wants you to believe that you're the only one that's dealing with what you're dealing with and nobody else would do what you've done. He wants to get you isolated. Because when we're isolated, we're vulnerable. That's why we need to be surrounded by community. You see, what, what did I read in 1 Peter 5, 9? It said, your adversary, the enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Get this, lions are smart. They won't go after a herd, but they'll go after a straggler. They'll go after one that broke away from the herd. Because you can't attack a herd because they're protected together, but alone, they're vulnerable. And Paul says, knowing that, the same kinds of sufferings, he said, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You're not alone. No matter what you're challenged with right now, no matter battles you're facing right now, you are not alone. And you need to surround yourself with people that will encourage you, lift you up, care for you, celebrate with you, cry with you, challenge you, pray for you. I saw a, a, a post on Facebook this week uh, that Charlene posted. Uh, Charlene, she was here last service. So. Uh, but, but it was great. It said, surround yourself with people who will pray for you behind your back. That's the platoon that we need people that will pray for you behind your back. You see, you need to have your platoon's back, but you need to also know that your platoon has your back. Turn to someone, you guys are getting tired, turn to someone and say, I've got your back. You need to have your platoons back and you need to rest assured knowing that your platoon has yours. Now, let me just clarify. And I want to be sensitive here. And I don't want you, I want you to get this twisted, but coming to a church service for an hour is not community. I want to encourage you because I don't want you to confuse proximity to people with community with people. Look around. You're around hundreds of people today, Right? But just because you're in proximity to people doesn't mean you're in community with people. Now, again, don't get me wrong. I, I love coming together. I love worshiping together. I love coming into the house of the Lord and, and praying with one another, worshiping together. I even love the fact that we have coffee outside and grab donuts and we can chat before service and we can go out to lunch together afterwards. I think it's all beautiful. I love it. But that is not the true depth of community. It might be a spark, but it's not the fire. 
True community is, is when people will, will depend upon you, will call you. Those people that you can call at 11 o'clock at night, 1 o'clock in the morning because you're struggling, those are the people that you need in your corner, that you need on your side. A community that knows your struggles, that can be praying for you, that can be lifting you up, that knows when you're struggling and can help you along the way. You see, I say to our online congregation every single Sunday, church is more than a service. Church is more than a Sunday. It goes far beyond this one-hour service, maybe 90 minutes, depends who's preaching. Uh, service, right? It goes far beyond that. You see, our goal at Southbridge is not to fill chairs. Our goal is to see lives changed, and often that happens in the context of community. Amen? We need people. We need each other. That's why Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another weekly, daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You see, how we operate in this world not only affects us, but it affects those around us. Are we encouraging others daily so they're not hardened by sin? We need one another, and we need one another daily. I love how the message version says this entire verse that we've read, and I just want to take some time to read it because I think it's fantastic. It says, and that about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you strong. Take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws you away. I love this. This is no weekend war. We'll walk, that we'll walk away from and forget in a couple hours. Who's guilty of, of doing that, right? This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation are more than words. Learn to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. The same way prayer, the same way prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Praying hard and long. Yeah, there's pray for your brothers and sisters. Pray for them behind their backs. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits lifted up so no one falls behind or drops out. That's why my sermon title is I've got your six. Whose six do you have? And who's got yours? You see, the Roman army was incredible in battle. And Paul knows that when he's writing this, he's very familiar with the way that the Roman army operates. You know, you see, Roman armies, what they used to do is they used to carry big and heavy and strong shields into battle with them. Shields that they could actually hide behind when arrows, fiery arrows even, were coming their way. However, one thing that I noticed about a shield is that it has a weakness. It could only defend you in one direction. I don't have a, I don't have a Roman shield today, uh, but I have a shield that I'm, I'm very much more familiar with, and it's an umbrella. Shields me from the rain in England, right? And does anybody think it's bad luck to open an umbrella inside? Okay, good. We don't believe in that, right? Uh, so, um, but what I notice about a shield 
is, uh, funny thing is, we actually used to use these in our uh, Nerf battles in the office. So um, the day that I actually joined Southbridge, I was given a Nerf gun because randomly Nerf battles in the office would break out. And uh, yep, that's what we do during the week. And uh, everybody's like, you only work on Sundays, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, And what we found quickly is that these shields work great in a Nerf battle. Because what you can do is you can put them down and you can hide behind it and they can't get you. But one thing that we also learned is that they only defend you in one direction. You see, when I'm facing this way, I can defend against that. But if somebody flanks me, I'm exposed from my sides and from behind. You see, and that's why we need one another. Guys, can I, uh, can I get you guys to come up? You see, there's a weakness if we're only defending with ourselves. I, uh, I asked the, the, the band if they could help me with uh, a sermon illustration, and Kevin's first words was, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> you see, what the Romans had pretty much perfected was this thing that was called testudo, which basically meant um, turtle. It meant the turtle formation. And, and you might have seen it, but you see, when the Romans wanted to push ahead, when there was enemies on all sides and they wanted to take new ground, they wanted to take the fight to the enemy, one of them would shout, testudo! And the Romans would put their shields in such a formation which they could be protected from all sides. They would have shields all the way around the sides, on the top, on the back, so that no matter when the enemy attacked them, they were protected. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a three cord is not quickly broken. You see, we are an army, and this right here is a picture of what the church should look like. This is what biblical community looks like. We're not called to fight alone. We're called to look out for one another, lift one another up, pray, protect, cover, not expose, encourage one another, challenge one another. How did the Message Bible say? Keep our eyes open, keep each other's spirits lifted up so nobody falls behind or drops out. Leave no man behind. Rejoice with those that rejoice, mourn with those that mourn, live in harmony with one another. You see, if we could actually live this out, Man, what a force to be reckoned with. You see, Jesus says, as he's kind of talking about the church, he says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. He says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you, even if the weapon looks like this guy. <laughs> Pastor Scott had brought a Nerf gun up one time, so I wanted to do the same thing. <laughs> but you see, Jesus said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. If we're a community that is covering one another, that is lifting one another up, that is covering each other's gaps and and helping each other along, no matter what comes your way, you're protected. It's only when we start to wander. It's only when we start to find ourselves out on our own. Picture this, if, if one of these guys, say the center right here, decided to, to put down his umbrella and leave, not only does it make him vulnerable, 
but he also leaves those around him vulnerable. Thank you, guys. I appreciate y'all. You like my, uh, my southernness there, y'all? Yeah, give it up. Thanks for going along with my crazy ideas. So, guys, I just, I encourage you today, get in community. Community that goes beyond these four walls. It's not the community I'm talking about. A community that goes beyond a TV screen, a computer screen. Surround yourself with people who encourage you, spur you on to good deeds, protect you, cover you, not expose you. People that celebrate with you. Because you need people to celebrate with you, not just be there through the hard times, but to celebrate with you in the good times. Because when you win, I win. We're all part of the same team. We're an army. And our battle is not against one another. There's a greater enemy at play. That's why you need community that goes beyond a Sunday, beyond a service. Again, the message said it. It's no weekend war. This is a life, day to day. It's every single day. So I encourage you, wake up, suit up, and don't forget your umbrella because, well, it looks like a storm's brewing. Amen. Can you stand with me as we pray? Well, God, I just thank you and I praise you for today. I thank you for your word and I just thank you for your church. I know times we've, we've, we fail and we fall short and I know church people have been hurt. I was just talking to somebody first service that was hurt by the church and today was their first day coming back and I just celebrate you in that, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you've given us everything we need to take on the enemy. And I just pray right now, Lord God, that you'll continue to, to remind us to wake up and to suit up and to be there for one another in this, in this battle, in this war, in this army. I pray that we'll all play our part, that we won't just come to a service and leave and forget about it, but we'll live in community. We'll find those that have our six. We'll find our platoon. We'll have their six. They'll have our six. We'll, we'll expose ourselves to be vulnerable to others around us. And it might be scary, but ultimately it's so that they can protect us. They can lift us up. They can encourage us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And I just pray for people right now, Lord, if they don't know you, if they've never made you their Lord and Savior, I pray that today will be their day. As I look at the armor of God, it starts with the belt, which is the, the truth. So I pray today might be a day that somebody, maybe they haven't got their whole armor on yet, but they can just put on that belt of truth. Your word says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's where it starts. I just pray that brothers and sisters will come around them and encourage them, lift them up, spur them on, carry them when they're down, and celebrate victories together. Let us just be a community that has one another's back and they have ours. And ultimately, God, we want to fight for you and your kingdom because that's what matters. To you all the glory, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.